This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Saver Production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about Tej. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so as always, drink responsibly with these. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I've ever had Tej. It feels like I should have, would have, but I, I don't think I have. I am nearly positive that I had it um, the last time I was in New Orleans and we went to a really great Ethiopian place there. I think that's what I was drinking, but gosh, I it was like two years ago. Who knows? Yeah, so it could, Who have, been, knows? It could have been anything. It could have. Um, but I think <laughs> I had it, and I think it was delightful. Mm, it does sound really lovely, uh, and would certainly like to hear about from listeners about this one. Uh, was there any particular reason it was on your mind? Uh, nope. 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 Nope, not Great. at all. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I think uh, I was I think I was looking for an alcohol and I was like, you know, we haven't done anything from Africa in a while and here we are. Here we are. And it is a fun one. Uh you can see our mead episode for sure. Yeah. Yes, which also has a video component. Uh, oh, oh yes. Oh yes it does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh Monk's Mead does now have an outpost over by Manuel's Tavern um in mm-hmm. like the the North Highlands for anyone who's in Atlanta. So so go go visit. Go visit him over there. Mhm. Uh you can also see our honey episodes which were early episodes but we did do two uh, part one and two, because honey it's a has large, a lot going on. Large topic. Yep. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then all of our wine episodes, I would say. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And some of our beer episodes, maybe kind of, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I guess this brings us to our question. I guess it does. Tej. What is it? Well, uh, Tej is a type of mead, a wine made from honey. 
in this case, along with some herbal ingredients. It's a beverage that can really vary from producer to producer, but like high level, what you're looking at is a sparkling wine that's that's beautiful golden yellow in color and unfiltered. So it's cloudy, like, like semi-translucent. It can be varyingly sweet, tart, funky, herbal, floral, but it tends to be uh, more on the dry side, like, like puckery versus sweet. Yeah. And so it's like a dry, flavorful mead. Uh, it's it's like it's like if a hefeweizen tasted like it looked. Um, mm-hmm. it's like that that honey thick kind of sunlight you get during the golden hours uh, got caught in a jar and and and, and has a flavor. Oh, that sounds so lovely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, so one thing, right, that sets Tej apart from other meads is that it's produced with uh, gesho, which is a shrub in the buckthorn family. Um, it's not related to hops, but it's used in the same way that hops are used in beers, uh, both as a bitter flavor to, to balance the sugar content and also as a microbial control factor. Uh, pieces of gesho branch can provide a, a lighter color and flavor. Uh, if you use the leaves, that's going to provide like a, like a richer color and flavor. Production methods vary, especially from like household or local producers to industrial producers, perhaps obviously. Uh, but, but technically all you need to make tej is honeycomb, water, Gesho and a pot. Traditionally, this is an open pot style fermentation process. You're you're letting wild yeasts from the air work their way into the brew. This also lets other wild microbes, perhaps mostly lactic acid bacteria, get in there and do some work. If you've ever had a beer that was made via open air fermentation, wild fermentation, you know that you can get some really fun, funky, or tart flavors from this process. You know, yeast and bacteria poop. Uh, more modernly, you might add prepared yeast. It's not up to me. You can do what you want. Uh, <laughs> again, traditionally, you might keep the fermentation pot warm with a smoldering gesho stems and like fragrant olive wood. And I have the idea that this might add a little bit of smoke flavor to the final product, but also might help control the microorganisms that find their way into the brew. Yeah. Uh, and there are generally a couple stages in the fermentation process. In phase one, you're you're because you are using honeycomb that still has the wax. Uh, so you're letting the wax separate out and float to the surface so that you can skim it off. And in stage two, you're probably adding your gesho um, by removing a bit of the brew, uh, bringing it to a boil with whatever gesho stuff you're using, and then adding it back in. You might add other plant-based flavorings to taste. I've read about ginger and maybe coffee. Um, But, like, do not ask. The recipes are guarded secrets. (laughs) Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's it's one of those things. (laughs) Um, And then, yeah, you go on and let it ferment for weeks to months, depending on what you're going for. The longer you let it ferment, the higher the alcohol content will be. Um, Often this will cut the sweetness, too. Uh, You filter out the flavoring bits, the gesho and whatever, but uh, but leave in the yeast so the final product will be cloudy from the yeast and that bright golden yellow sparkling with bubbles with a sweet, tart, bright herbal flavors and uh, usually pretty dry on the tongue. It can range from smooth to to funky and and of course, like honey being a natural product, it can have all sorts of other flavors in there from whatever flowers the bees made their honey from. Um, Tej 
isn't usually very strong, like 5 to 10 percent alcohol by volume, but it certainly can range above or below that. It is traditionally served chilled uh, by itself in this type of drinking flask that sort of looks like a like a beaker, like it's got a relatively thin neck and then a rounded bulb at the bottom, um, sometimes a flare at the lip. Uh, it's called a brella. Uh, this this flask, but yeah, uh, when when served with meals, being sweet and tangy can help cut the the heat of spicy dishes. But modernly, um, European style wine glasses might be used for serving, um, and perhaps perhaps more outside of areas where it's traditional, it might be mixed into cocktails and you know done with whatever how, however you use a booze. Hmm. I did see a lot about the serving of it, uh, and people have kind of specific traditions and rituals around that. So that oh, was yeah. interesting. Oh, yeah. Um, listeners, as always, let us know. Oh, yeah. What about the nutrition? Drink responsibly. Ooh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, we do have some numbers for you. A couple. A couple. Yeah. Not too many. Uh, according to one source I found, Ethiopia is Africa's largest producer of honey. Yeah, like some forty-five to 50,000 tons a year. And 70% of that honey goes to making tetch. That's again. I found that one place, so that's a that that's similar to numbers that I saw in other places as well. So yeah, a lot it seems. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we do have a lot ish of history for you. <laughs> we do, we do, and we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery, but that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, 
a military-trained seduction spy, reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thank you, Spencer. Yes, thank you. So I found this quote we wanted to include at the top. This one is pretty quote heavy, to be honest. Um, But uh, from a 1955 article from the Proceedings of the Nutrition Society, uh, (laughs) quote, fermented honey drinks may have been the earliest alcoholic beverages known to man. Yeah, um, they are quite old. People Mm -hmm. in what is now Ethiopia have been drinking Tej uh, for as far back as two to 3,000 years. And Tej and honey wines in general are believed to be some of the world's oldest alcohols. Uh, The exact details of when the peoples of what is now modern-day Ethiopia started fermenting water and honey alongside a local species of buckthorn are tough to pin down. Hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Archaeological evidence from Aksum, one of the first known civilizations of Ethiopia, which rose to prominence in the first century CE and fell in 900 CE, reveals that they were drinking Tetch at the time and perhaps used it in rituals. One source claimed that something that is probably Tej is mentioned in the Bible. Yeah, it pops up in some tellings of the visit of the Queen of Sheba to King Solomon as one of the gifts that she brought, but not all of them. So there you go. There you go. Writings from the reigning king during the 4th century CE indicate that honey wines like Tej were widespread and loved at the time. Um, They were also served in animal horns that were carved into cups. That's something I saw in a lot of places. Mm -hmm. A 1962 book written by Dutch scholar A.J. Drews, I hope that's close, uh, suggests mm-hmm. that one of the earliest instances of Tej cropped up on a stone describing the food supplied by the royal court, including Honeywai at Axum's Peak. So that was probably the thing that people were talking about. Um, but it was on the stone. stone uh, and some articles I read suggest that servants of rich folks would be forced to try Tej to confirm if it wasn't poisoned. Oh. hmm And some of the most wealthy in Ethiopia had a specific Tej butler in charge of the drink. Uh, it was also used medicinally and as an aphrodisiac. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, one source from ancient Greece from the first century CE-ish indicates that people in Ethiopia were drinking a honey wine at the time. European descriptions of honey wine from Ethiopia and that kind of surrounding area significantly increased during the 1500s with stories of special honey wine consumed by the rich and royalty of Ethiopia. Yeah, because at some point during the history here, there is a shift from Tej being a drink that everybody drank to it being specifically something for like royalty. Um, Archaeological research has shown that Tej became a really important part of social rank and politics dating from at least the mid-1200s or so, uh, because within the Ethiopian empire that took control around that time, emperors had a monopoly on Tej production and Tej consumption and would, like, collect honey uh, to make it as a tax. 
And those distinctive drinking bottles, the the Brella, seem to have been a way of like broadcasting without saying a word that you were important enough to be drinking, Tej. <laughs> I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the first accounts of Ethiopia out of Western culture was penned in the 1530s by a Portuguese priest. And it came with this quote, the wine of honey is much the best of all. And that it, quote, walked about with great fury, the mistress of the house concealed behind a curtain, taking her own share. Huh. A, yeah. A German scholar wrote in the 1600s, their drink is somewhat more dainty. And is the glory and consummation of their feast, for so far they still retain the custom of many of the ancients, but as soon as the table is cleared, they fall to drinking, having always this proverb in their mouths, that is useful way to plant first and then to water. They drink themselves up to merry pitch till their tongues run before their wit and never give off till the drink be all out. They make excellent hydromel by reason of their plenty of honey, which inebriates like wine. They call it said edge. Um, they make it smaller for their families, mixing six parts of wine with one of water. Yeah. Um, a hydromel being, a, I think, French term for mead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did find this account. According to one thing I read, a love of Tej led to the downfall of at least one emperor in the 1800s. Okay. Um, and this is when a lot of stories about Tudge did start to show up in the written English language, including one from an English fellow who wrote, This honey wine is the obstacle here to progress of Christianity. Total abstinence on the part of the missionary and people is indispensable. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, in 1898, the English traveler Edward Gleichen, Gleichen wrote about Tej and specifically the fact that it was expensive and largely relegated to those who could afford it. He called it decidedly intoxicating. Um, and other works from the time describe it being used diplomatically. But I did run into that a lot, too, of like the I couldn't quite pin down when it became, oh, this is more expensive thing for royalty. Uh, but I did find a lot of accounts about it being yeah. that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, after visiting Ethiopia in 1905, a doctor wrote of treating headaches that were related to Tej and went on to say that women drink Tej on par with men. And that was something he hadn't seen. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. An Englishman wrote after visiting Ethiopia in 1906 about Tej, the national drink made of honey, nasty and strong. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, f- I feel like my personal self would be very happy to be called nasty and strong, but I can't project that on this. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, that would I would be quite pleased if someone right. <laughs> chose that turn of phrase for me. I'd be like, right. thank you. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Preach. Just like Tej. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, during the 20th century, Tej did grow more and more accessible and available, not only in Ethiopia, but around the world. Yeah, uh, I I couldn't track down, again, exactly when this happened, uh, but there was a lot of political upheaval, uh, including the fall of the empire in 1974. But right, at at some point, Tej production expanded again to be made not just for nobility and military, but also in many households and by small local producers, especially for special occasions, uh, weddings, holidays, stuff like that. uh, traditionally, the collection of honey is considered a, a, a dude job, and the making of tej is considered a, a lady job, as other home brewing is as well. Uh, commercially produced tej appeared in the 1940s through the 1960s, and uh, tej houses or tej bet 
started to crop up. And then there was a little bit of a, of a dark ages for Ted, where as it became cheaper, and certainly was cheaper and stronger than commercial beers, and also much less expensive than the newly fashionable imported spirits, Tedge became considered sort of old-fashioned and more associated with lower economic status. And meanwhile, producers started to cut the honey with processed sugar to save money. It was sort of like a downward spiral of all of these factors. But from what I understand, there's been a bit of a renaissance and commercial producers and, and fans are really trying to bring it back to its like former glory and celebrity status. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, over in the Americas, expats began producing Tedge as early as the 1980s. And yeah, like like Dogfish Head made a Tedge in 2009. I, I don't know. So it's 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 out there. <laughs> I I can't I can't say I've ever looked for it, but I can't say I've ever seen it. So like like in a <laughs> shop. But right. I don't know. Um but but now I I really want to I really want to look for some. I always want to mm. go to Atlanta's fabulous Ethiopian restaurants and yes. see see if I can find some. Yeah, Ethiopian food is like one of my biggest cravings. It's pretty consistent craving. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I feel like it's one of those things where it's so important to to be there in person with the sharing mm-hmm. and all of the nja and yes. You know. Oh no, the craving. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. You will um, you well, will get through it. You will get through it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, listeners, as always, if you have any experience, thoughts, where can we get some good Tej? We would love to hear from you. Absolutely, uh, as always. Yes, but in the meantime, we do have some listener mail for you. And we will get into that as soon as we get back from one more quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery, but that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian Mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. 
oldest girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thank you, Sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with Listener Mail. Like sunshine in a glass. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Barbie wrote, I just listened to your lettuce episode where you mentioned someone's attempt to connect iceberg lettuce to Father's Day. And I was reminded of one of my favorite stories about my father. Mm. He was a man of simple taste and food. And my mother loved to cook using exotic and creative foods. The first year I was away from home on Father's Day, each of them wrote me a letter to tell me how the day had been celebrated. My mother said it was nothing special and she'd fixed a dumb ordinary meal for my dad. My father wrote that it was fabulous day where he worked in the yard during the day and then mommy fixed him a great meal of a hamburger patty, canned green beans, and a wedge of iceberg lettuce with mayonnaise followed by a chocolate chip cookie and coffee for dessert. (laughs) For me, iceberg lettuce has always made me think of my father. He could have been the face of iceberg lettuce in Father's Day. Oh, <laughs> so dear. Well, it is. It is. This I, I feel like this reminds me of my dad, too, because like I've said, and there's no shame in, in like, like in quote, simple Oh, sure. Things. Absolutely. Um, but he always, like, would go for the, I would just, like, grits with butter and salt and pepper and, like, a, a nice salty ham. And that's his favorite thing. And for me as a kid, I'd be like, we could do so much more. Yeah. If that's what you like. Yeah. Get it. Right? <laughs> and be, be overjoyed by it. Be yes. overjoyed by your wedge of iceberg with mayo. Yes. <laughs> it's your day after right? all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> this this reminded me of my dad, too, to be honest. Like the, yeah. Yeah. Canned something. I have yep. a hamburger. That's it. And a chocolate chip cookie. Like a very. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all for it. All All of those things are delicious. I cannot Mm -hmm. argue with literally, well, maybe the mayo on the iceberg, but I, but other, (laughs) other than literally the thing that you were writing it about. (laughs) Everything else, though. (laughs) Oh, but no, even that, I'm sure it's delicious. I'm sure it's nice and tangy and light and Mm -hmm. and lovely. Mm -hmm. Like what you like. Get it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm Uh, Francis wrote, I'm super behind on my podcast listening, but as soon as I saw Mofongo in my feed, I knew I had to listen to the episode immediately. I'm Puerto Rican and grew up on Mofongo. My mom used to make a little Mofongo balls as a side dish when I was young. I refuse to make Mofongo at home because it's so much work. Plantains are such a pain to prep and they will stain everything. So Mofongo is one of those foods that I only get at restaurants. 
I moved back to Puerto Rico in July, so now I can find it. And my favorite variant, trifongo, uh, just about everywhere. I love the stuffed variety for a full meal, and after listening, I have to go out and order some soon. If y'all ever travel again, definitely come to Puerto Rico. We've got so much delicious food, in part because of the convergence of cultures in the Caribbean. Our Christmas pasteles uh, are a fusion of West African, uh, Taino, and Spanish cuisines and are another delightful use of plantains. Since Hurricane Fiona, we've had a shortage of both local bananas and plantains. They had to import a lot from other places in Latin America. I've been buying frozen tostones and modoros and uh, saw that the company that makes these also sells frozen mofongo. So I guess there's been some advancements in that area since the 80s. I don't have a mofongo recipe to share, but I do want to recommend um, pastelon, which is layered modoros, um, seasoned ground beef, and cheese bound together with a beaten egg and baked. Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, the savory meat with the sweet plantains are chef's kiss. I also wanted to add that mofongo is also popular in the Dominican Republic. Uh, there's a lot of overlap in our foods, though we frequently have different names for the same thing. Mm. Oh my gosh. That sounds so amazing. <laughs> if I, I feel like I might have mentioned it in the mofongo episode, but maduros are like my very favorite thing. Um, just yeah. like fried sweet plantains. So, so good. Um, yeah. And that sounds amazing. Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh, oh my! Like a gosh. like a savory bread pudding based on sweet plantains. Like okay, all right. I need to. Yeah. I have some. I have some cooking to do. Clearly. <laughs> well, report back about that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and right, uh, I, I don't think that we mentioned uh, the Dominican Republic in that episode, but um, because I kind of wanted to like, I, I read a lot of very strong opinions about their version being completely separate and you shouldn't even compare them. And how dare you think about the two in the same sentence? And I was mm. like, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> but, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. but, but those might have been like extra spicy takes. So I, I don't know. But <laughs> but yes, absolutely. Um, that's oh, but that's wonderful. Thank you so much. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And hopefully you got some good mofongo. Uh, after you sent this in. Yeah. And yes, if we ever visit Puerto Rico, it's going to be a great time. <sighs> a great food time. Yes. Mm. Yes. Mm -mm -mm. Well, <laughs> thank you to both of those listeners for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We are also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. 
Puerto Rico is home to a thriving culinary scene based on products and traditions from the native Taino, African, and Spanish peoples that have influenced it. When you go, there are a host of restaurants, bars, breweries, distilleries, farms, and coffee houses to dig into, from five-star experiences to local favorites. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.